What, what about it? How about you? And so just some various things. Let's just read through these, these notes here. It'll help you, help all of us, be a good reminder to us of how powerful the Word of God is. So first of all, in Hebrews, the fourth chapter in the twelfth verse, New King James Version, I've listed the versions there for you. Most of them New King James, a couple from the Amplified. Notice the Word of God is living and what? And powerful. The Word of God is living and powerful. Not a, it's not a dead book. It's alive. It's just as alive now as it's ever been. It's living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Word of God, living and powerful. And notice, God's Word upholds all things. Notice in Hebrews 1 there, verses 1 through 3, God, who at various times and in various ways spoken time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. How did God create everything? He said, God said, and it was so. God said. Is that right back in Genesis? He created the worlds with his word. So in these last days, he's spoken to us by a son, whom he's appointed, heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, that's talking about Jesus, and notice, and upholding all things by what? The word of his power. Not only did he create everything with his word, but he upholds everything with his word. Upholding all things by the word of his power, who, when he, that's Jesus, had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. But notice the word of God is living and powerful, and it upholds all things. And, of course, God's word is authored by who? Now, come on, guys. I gave you the notes now. Now, don't go reading on ahead on me now. Stay with me. God's word is authored by who? Now, this is not a tough question. Who authored the book, the Bible? Anybody know? Oh, okay, okay. You're not going to make an F on my test, are you? Who authored the Bible? Okay, there you go. God. Let's don't ever forget that. But notice... In 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture did say some Scripture or all Scripture. All Scripture is given by inspiration of who? Of God. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Profitable for doctrine. It's teaching and what we believe. Here's a little challenge for you. It'd be interesting of how many of you, if I did give a test, if you could write down the major things that we believe here at the church. How many of you know you ought to know what your church believes? You know, there's a lot of folk in the land that don't know what really the doctrine of their church, what they really believe. You, you ought to know that. That'd be profitable to you, wouldn't it? It's very, very important. It's something I think that gets overlooked in this day in which we live, but... You know, you need to know what your, what your church believes. And the Word of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. Is it possible the Word of God could ever correct us? I think so. For instruction in righteousness. And then notice 2 Peter 1, 
verse 20. I'm sorry, yeah, Second Peter 1.20. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by who? Holy the Holy Spirit. So how did we get the Bible? Well, God, through the Holy Spirit, you know. How many of you know there's one God manifested in how many persons? Three, Father, Son, that's Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Is that right? And the Holy Spirit would move on the prophets of old and, the, and, and then the apostles in the New Testament, you know, books. And he'd, and he'd move upon them and they would write, speak and write as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And so this book, it's the only book in the world like it. It's authored by God. And he used men to put it together and to write it, of course. But it, it's authored by God. That's why it's living and powerful. And, uh, and you need to know that. It's authored by God. Given by inspiration of God. And because it's written by God. Notice John 17 and 17. Because it's written by God. Given by God. We can know that this is the what? The truth. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. Don't ever forget that. The truth. The whole truth. And nothing but the truth. Did you know that you know, God used the prophets of old and the Apostle Paul and Peter and John and James to write the Bible? It's without error. No contradictions in it. But you also need to realize that, that after them, people like Tyndale and other ones like that, Wycliffe, folks like that, they, they gave their lives to get us a written copy of this Bible in our lap. Did you know that? Sacred book. I love the Bible, don't you? And it's what? It's true. You're allowed to say the word is truth. The word is truth. The truth, the whole truth, and what? Nothing but the truth. The Bible says that God is not a man that he should lie. So when everybody else is lying to you, know this. God's never going to lie to you because he's not a man that he should lie. And notice in Matthew 4, 4, Jesus, the Lord himself, tells us that the word of God is food for our spirits. Notice Matthew 4, 4, but he answered and said, now this is when Jesus was being tempted of the devil. And something else we can throw in here that the word is very profitable for is notice when Jesus being Tempted by the devil, verse 4, he said, it is what? Is what? That's how you resist temptation with the word of God. It is what? It is written. That's how Jesus resisted the devil. Is that right? It is written. Now, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You need to realize, folks, that this Bible here is food for your spirit. How many of you know you are a spirit being? You possess a soul, that's your mind, your will, and your emotions, and you live in that physical body. Now, the Word of God is not physical food, like a Big Mac. Big Mac, what do they call that food? Is that really food? Okay. But a steak dinner or whatever, that's physical food. Now, the Word of God is not physical food. It's spiritual food. It's spirit food. The Word of God, when you read it, when you study it, when you hear it preached, it feeds your spirit. The real you, 
the inner man, the hidden man of the heart, you, the real you on the inside, the, the Word of God feeds your spirit, okay? It's so important. Uh, one minister said it this way. He said that most Christians, and, and I've seen this to be true over the many years, most Christians live on physically three hot square hot meals a day, and then they try to exist on one lukewarm spiritual snack a week. Did you ever think about that? Did you get what I just said? Uh, I'm not putting anybody down. I'm just experienced of what I've seen over the years is that most Christians, most folk, the only word that they ever really get is a sermon on Sunday morning. That's really not enough to go on. If I told you that that all we were going to give you this next week to eat was a bowl of cereal on Sunday morning, and that's all you're going to get all week long is a bowl of cereal on Sunday morning, how many of you would object to that? There's only three hands went up. How many of you would object to that? I mean, you would hold still for one bowl of cereal. That's all you're going to get. Now, one bowl. I eat Special K. What, what kind is it? Uh, cinnamon pecan. Yeah, that's what I eat for breakfast. But if that's all, all you were going to have now on Sunday morning, that's it. And you're not going to get anything till the next Sunday morning. Now, how many would object to that? You object to that? But yet, spiritually, that's what so many Christians try to exist on. Did you hear me? See, if you put it in natural terms like that, then people understand, well, there's no way I'm there. There's no way I'm going seven days before I eat again. How many of you know you want to eat before noon today? Is that right? Again, if you had breakfast, you want to have something before noon. Is that correct? You're probably maybe already thinking about what you're going to eat when you leave here today. Big Mac. When I used to weigh 240 pounds, I used to eat a couple of Big Macs a day and eight White Castles. and whew, Unbelievable, huh? Unbelievable. But, you know, we wouldn't do that physically, but yet folks do that to themselves spiritually. Do you ever think about that? So what am I saying? We, we need to get more than what we just get on a Sunday morning. I try to feed you a good hot meal here on Sunday morning, but even if I feed you the best hot meal you could could get here on a Sunday morning, that's not enough to make it the rest of the week, is it? Is it? No. And let's put it this way. If you ate one big hot meal on Sunday morning, the best meal you could get on Sunday morning, would that be enough to go the rest of the week? Would, would you s- settle for that? You'd, want, you'd want, probably want something Sunday night. Is that right, T? Well, think of that. In, I'm taking time here because spiritually we do that to ourselves. We'll get one even good hot meal here on a Sunday morning spiritually, but then is that the only other spiritual food you're getting throughout the week? See, So we need the Word of God on a daily basis. Just like we'd eat physical food daily, we need to eat spiritual food daily okay because this word as we read it study it as we listen to it it feeds our spirits just like physical physical food feeds our body now notice the word of god feeds our spirits we don't live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of god notice what the word of god does to our minds 
Notice here Romans 12 too. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? Renewing of your mind. Now, even though the Bible doesn't specifically say that it's the word of God that renews your mind, I can tell you from years of experience that the word of God will renew your mind. If you get into the word of God, it will renew your mind. You see, when you get born again, your spirit gets gets recreated in the likeness and image of, of the Lord Jesus. But your mind doesn't. Your mind has to be renewed. What do you renew your mind with? The Word of God. You've got to change your thinking. You got to, when you get saved, you've got to change your thinking and you've got to think in line with the Word of God. Now, notice, the Word of God feeds our spirits. It renews our minds. Now, the Word of God will not feed your physical body, but it does do something to your physical body. What does it do to your physical body? It'll heal it. How many of you are finding these notes helpful? Helpful, isn't it? Heal your physical body. Notice Proverbs 4.20. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Staying in the word continuously. Regular basis. For they are life to those who find them. And what? Health. And that word health. And I put the the, uh, medicine in there. I put that in in parentheses because if you study that word, that Hebrew word health, it means medicine. The word of God is health or medicine to all their flesh. You need to realize that. The word of God feeds your spirit, renews your mind, and heals your physical body. And then in Psalm 107.20, God sent his word and... Heal them and delivered them from their destructions. So the word of God, I'm going to say it again. What does it, do to, what does it do to your spirit? It feeds your spirit. What does it do to your mind? Renews your mind. And what does it do to your physical body? Does it feed it or does it heal it? Heals it. It keeps it well, actually. It's medicine. And notice what I put there. All of the word of God brings healing, not just the healing verses. You need to realize that. See, a lot of folks don't realize this as they should. The entire word of God will bring healing, not just the healing verses. I've seen this over the many years. I'd be teaching on a subject that didn't have any, from the word of God, that didn't have anything to do with healing. Might have been teaching on righteousness or something like that. Whatever the case. Teaching on one of the parables that doesn't have anything to do with healing. And I've seen people get healed just by sitting under the Word of God. You need to realize that. And what I've found really works, works best, don't wait till you get sick to sit under the Word of God. Keep that Word of God going in you continuously as medicine. It's medicine to your flesh. Keep that Word of God going into you regularly. And in the event that you, the devil hits you with something physically, sit under, sit under the Word as much as you can. And is it just the healing verses or is it the entirety of the Word of God? Oh, yeah. I'm convinced you can sit under the begats. You know, so-and-so begats, so-and-so begats, so-and-so, right from the Word of God. And there's the healing power of God is on that. Did you know that? How many of you know there's nothing in this book that's boring? Nothing. Right? 
So, so, so you need to be aware of that. A lot of folk don't realize that. Well, I have to hear, hear healing verses to get healed. Well, it's good to hear healing verses, and I'd recommend that if you need healing. But you could come to a, a teaching on the book of Galatians, for example. Boy, there was a powerful teaching anointing in there Wednesday night, wasn't there? Not just because I was doing it, but boy, it was, it was fun. We had a lot of fun in there. And, uh, but, the, but the anointing just riding on the Word of God. And, I mean, we started at 6.30, and I, and I mean, that time just... I mean, it was, you know why time goes by so quick when you get under the Word of God? Because you get over in the Spirit, and there's no time in the Spirit. There is distance in the Spirit, but there's no time in the Spirit. We had one of the great, I mean, powerful. Yeah, it was, isn't, it was fun. I just, it's not because I was doing it, it's just that I just, I love the presence of God. Just, just love the presence of God and sitting under the Word of God. So all of the Word of God brings healing. Now notice here in John 1, and, and, and notice, we'll, we'll show you God's Word carries the anointing. The anointing is the power of God. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. That's talking about who? Does anybody know? Jesus. Second member of the Trinity. And all things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life. The life was the light of men. Well, that makes perfect sense because God created everything with His Word, and Jesus is the Word of God. Is that right? Jesus created all things, second member of the Trinity. He is known in the Old Testament as the Word of God. Much else we could say, but notice verse 14. And the Word, that's Jesus, the Word. See, before Bethlehem, he wasn't known as Jesus. He is the Word, but when he took on human form, was born of the Virgin, 100% God, 100% man, and the Word became what? Flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So notice the word became flesh. If you want to get to know Jesus better, get to know your Bible better. Because Jesus is this word, what? Made flesh. And notice then in Acts 10.38... How God, that's the Father, anointed, that's the power of God, anointed, put the power of God on Jesus of Nazareth, anointed Him. That's the Lord. The Word made flesh. God anointed Jesus. God anointed the Word. God anointed. See, his, in His humanity, He needed that anointing. In His deity, He didn't, but in His humanity. And God anointed His humanity with, with who? Notice, I didn't say with what. Do you know the Holy Spirit's not a what or an it? He's a person. The power of God. So Jesus, God anointed Jesus, the Word with the Holy Spirit with power, who went about doing what? Good and what? Healing all who were oppressed by who? The devil, for God was with him, with Jesus. See, so can you see that the Word, Jesus, was made flesh, and then God anointed the Word, and He went about doing what? Good and healing. And, of course, the devil is the oppressor. So what does the Word... See, the Word carries the anointing. Well, Jesus is the Word made flesh, so the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, carries what? Carries the anointing. And that as that anointing goes forth, it brings about healing and deliverance. Can you say amen? 
And notice something else about the word of God. In Isaiah 55:11, he says, So shall my word be, God is saying, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. I like that. But it shall accomplish what I please, and it will prosper in the thing for which I sent it. I like that. His word does not return void. And then notice in Jeremiah 1.12, notice this. Then said the Lord to me, you have seen well, for I am am alert and active. How many of you glad God's alert and active? There's one verse of Scripture says he never sleeps or slumbers. What does he do? He watches over his what? To what? He watches over his word. That's the way the Amplified Bible puts it. He watches over his word to perform it. And then in Mark 16, 20, talking about the apostles after Jesus was raised from the dead, they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the what? The word through the accompanying signs. Now, actually, that word them, it's italicized because that's not in the original Greek. It actually reads, and they went out, the apostles, disciples, went out and preached everywhere. What do you think they were preaching? The Word. The Word of God. And the Lord worked with and confirmed His what? His Word. It wasn't so much that He was confirming them. He was confirming the Word That they preached. So don't ever forget this. His word goes forth. It does not return void. He watches over it to perform it. And he will watch over it to confirm it. Don't ever forget that. He confirms his word. And then on page 3. Notice some things about the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and what? Hearing by the word of God. And without faith, you can't please God. You can't get saved without faith. You can't get healed without faith. Faith is what receives from God. And how does faith come? It comes by hearing. And hearing by what? The word of God. Notice his word brings salvation. 1 Peter 1.23 Having been born again. That's when you get saved. Not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through what? The Word of God which lives and abides forever. So you can't get saved without the Word of God, without hearing the gospel message of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then with a repenting heart, believing on Him. And in a moment of time, you're saved. It's the Word of God that does that. And then, of course... His word brings cleansing, Ephesians 5:26, that he might sanctify and cleanse her. That's talking about the church now. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. So the word of God has a cleansing effect upon the church. Now, don't ever forget this. The blood of Jesus and only the blood of Jesus washes away sins. But the word of God will bring the knowledge of the gospel, certainly. But then you need to know this to the church. The word of God, as you get into the word of God, it has a cleansing effect. 
You need to realize that. That's why it's so important that we stay in the Word of God every day. Because there's a cleansing effect that it brings to every Christian. Notice what did the Bible say? That he might sanctify and cleanse her, that's the church, with the what? Washing of water by the Word. Um, I like to tell this little illustration. It's very helpful. A lot of times... People think that they have to be in the Word of God eight hours a day, ten hours a day for it to do them any good. Or I've got to be in the Word of God three hours a day. Well, you be in the Word of God as much as you can. But, you know, God knows you have to work, you have to sleep, you have family to raise, you have things to do and all of that. So you don't have to think that you have to be in the Word of God, you know, ten hours a day for it to do you any good. And here's a little example. Uh, I don't know about you, but there's some times where I've been working out or cutting grass or whatever it is, and I come in the house, and I'm not smelling too good. And I go over to kiss my wife, and she says, not now, because I'm not smelling so good. But guess what I do? I go in the shower. I take the Irish spring. Does anybody know what that is? Does anybody use Irish spring besides me or dial or whatever? And I'm in there... You know, you can take a shower. Did you know you can take an effective shower in probably less than five minutes? I know I've done it before because I've been in the shower sometimes. I go in there, take a real thorough shower in less than five minutes, and I come out, and guess what? My wife is ready to hug me again. So if a five-minute shower can clean you up, don't you think five minutes in the Word of God could help? And wouldn't five minutes in the Word of God be better than nothing? I mean, if, if five minutes in the shower can, can get me clean, five minutes physically, five minutes in the Word of God can do you some good. Now, I'd recommend spend more time. It's really all about quality time, actually. Because, you know, I could go in and stand in the shower and not let any water hit me and it wouldn't do me any good. Is that right? So, so, so you've got to be quali- spend quality time. But just five, ten minutes a day, quality time in the Bible can have a cleansing effect on you. You need to realize that. And again, five minutes better than nothing. Is that right? So do as much as you can. But uh, don't think that you have to spend hours and hours and hours and hours for it to do you any good. Because just a little is better than nothing and, and it will help you. Now notice this. In, in Psalm 119, verse 105, your word is a what? A lamp to my feet and a what? Light to my path. So his word brings guidance. Is that right? Brings guidance. If you need guidance in your life, look to the word of God. Now, here's something else I like to say right here. Is uh, if you're seeking God concerning something. uh, Like for example, if you're seeking God concerning a wife. Or a husband. That's real easy. You don't want to date somebody that's not saved. Is that right? Or go out with somebody that's not saved because the Bible tells you not to. Is that correct? So that's pretty easy, isn't it? Or if you're seeking God whether or not you ought to forgive somebody. Let me ask you, do you really need to seek God about that? Because the Word of God says we ought to forgive. I wonder if I ought to walk in love towards so and so. Do you need to seek God about that? Because the Word of God says you ought to walk in love. Is that correct? But what if you need to make a decision about what car to buy? Or what house to buy? Or what job should I take? 
like when I was looking for a wife. He that finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. And, and, I, and, and I looked in the Bible and the only thing I could find was thou shalt go out with joy. But I wasn't in love with her. I'm not going to make it as a comic, am I? I was in love with Diane. So you know what? I saw that Diane met all of the... She was born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, loved the Lord, all of that. But then, you have to have that, what, doesn't the Bible talk about the peace of God? We'll be led forth with peace in the Old Testament, New Testament, said let the peace of God rule in your hearts or be the umpire. What does an umpire do? Call things safe or call things out? So, if you can't, what I'm trying to say, if you can't find something verbatim in the Word of God, like I can't go in here and find out that I'm supposed to live at 1234, you know, Elm Avenue. Do you get what I just said? So then you have to go with what? Peace versus no peace. If you got peace, peace, wonderful peace down on the inside, then follow that peace. If you don't have peace and on the inside, it, you know, you're trying to make a decision. On the inside, you're ugh. Well, you don't have to be a brain surgeon that if on the inside it's ugh. What's God telling you? Don't do it. Or a check in your spirit sometimes it's called. You know what I'm saying? So, but, but you know, it's amazing how many people don't want to follow God's general direction, the Word of God, but yet they want God to lead them specifically. Now, I found this out. If you won't follow God generally, He's not obliged to lead you specifically. Well, that was worth coming to church just to get that right there. Let's follow His general direction. You know, if we'd follow His general direction, just what He's written in the Word of God, that would lead us, guide us in, in just about everything. But there are some things like who to marry, what job to take, what car to buy, what school to go to, that you need to follow that peace versus inward peace. And that's how God leads us. 99% of the time when it's not in, written in the Bible. Did you, you get what I just said? Don't be looking for dreams and visions and these kinds of... Now, God can use those things. I believe in those things. But if He would use a dream or a vision, and He does use those things, if it's God talking, it's going to line up with the Bible, and it's going to bear witness with your spirit. You okay? So just remember this. Remember this. His Word is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. Just, I don't want you to misunderstand. I believe in dreams and visions and, and, and he could have an angel appear. I believe in all that. But don't forget this. The devil himself could appear as an angel of what? Light. So, so I believe in the supernatural guidance of God. I believe. But what you don't realize a lot of times is that this is his supernatural guidance right here. Do you hear me? A lot of people are looking for the spectacular and they miss the supernatural. Okay? And if you start looking for the spectacular, like an angel appearing or this kind of thing, the devil can oblige you. If God wants to lead you with an angel, he'll do it. And if it's a really an angel of God, it'll, it'll line up with a written word and it'll bear witness in your heart. But usually he doesn't do those sorts of things. It's word of God. And then if it's something that's not verbatim, it's what? Peace versus? And if you just go with that, you'll be ahead of the game. Can you say amen? Now notice here, uh, just a few more things. Psalm 119.11, your word, notice what the psalmist said, your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Well, that's good to know. Put the word in your heart. I believe David said that. 
put the word in your heart that I might not sin against you. And notice Ephesians 6.17. You could preach a whole sermon on any one of these points. Notice, uh, talking about the armor of God, the Apostle Paul, but the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul says, take the helmet of salvation and then notice the what? The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Let me just tell you this about the Bible. Now listen carefully. The Bible, as long as the Bible is in your bookshelf at home or it's sitting on your coffee table, the devil's not afraid of it. Did you hear what I just said? Just because you carry the Bible around under your arm, right here in this form, right here, holy book, but right here, it's not the sword of the Spirit. When it's sitting on your coffee table, not the sword of the Spirit. devil's not afraid of it. Devil's not afraid of it. If the devil were to materialize right here and I swung this book at him, devil's not afraid of the book in this form. This Bible becomes dangerous to the devil and it becomes the sword of the Spirit when you get the words of this book down on the inside of your spirit and then these words of God from your spirit come out of your mouth in faith, that's when you can cut the devil and tear him up with it. Can you say amen? There's too many Christians walking around like this instead of having this in there. Did you hear what I just said? This Bible becomes the sword of the Spirit and it becomes dangerous to the devil. And you become dangerous to the devil when you take it off your coffee table or off your bookshelf or out from under your arm and you start reading it, studying it, listening to it, get it down in your spirit, get it satur- get your spirit saturated with the Word of God and then you submit yourself to God and then the devil re- rears his ugly head and you resist him and say, Devil, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. I resist you steadfastly in the faith and then the Bible becomes the sword of the spirit and then the devil's afraid of it did you hear what I just said all right you okay all right now having said that it's our offensive weaponry now notice this as powerful as the word of God is there are some things that can hinder it Notice Mark 4.19. Jesus said the cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, desires for other things, entering in, do what? Choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. You need to be aware of these things. These things that can hinder the, hinder the word. The cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, desires of other things, entering in. Choke the word, it becomes unfruitful. Notice traditions of men. Making the word of God, Jesus said this, making the word of God, making the word of God of no effect through what? Your tradition which you have handed down. You get steeped up in tradition, it will flat make the word of God of no effect. Now listen, I expect all of you, you know, I I kidded earlier about a test, but I do expect all of you to take your Bible sometime later today or this week, and go into your Bible and check me out on these verses that I've given you. Check me out. Don't believe anything just because I said it. Go for yourself. Take your Bible. Be sure that the verses I've given you match your Bible. Will you do that? What did Jesus say? The Word of God could be made of no effect through what? 
And then notice what happened here to Jesus. Now, he's the Word, made flesh, anointed by the Spirit, Mark 6, 5. Now, he says Jesus, he, Jesus, could do no mighty work there. That was in his hometown of Nazareth. Did it say he wouldn't do or couldn't do? He couldn't do. He, he could, Jesus, could the Word of God, couldn't do any mighty work? That's what the Bible said, except he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their what? Unbelief. Unbelief. One about the villages. Notice he went about teaching because... What do you think he was teaching? The Word. And the Word brings faith. But what stopped the Word? It was their what? Unbelief. Unbelief. You've got to believe it. Now, believe it in your head or believe it in your heart? heart. You've got to believe it in your heart. All right, we're almost finished. But let's just get here. These last few things. Here's verses doers of the Word. Notice James 1.25, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, that would be the word of God, notice looks in it and then also what? Well, it's not enough just to look into it. You have to continue and you have to live it, walk by it. And is not a what? Forgetful hearer, but a what? Doer. Have you all ever been, now I, again I kidded about tests earlier, but have you ever been sitting taking a test in school? And you're, you're, you, you, you read the question, and you know you knew the answer to that question yesterday when you were studying. But you're sitting there, and you say, I knew that, but I... Anybody ever forget? It's a dangerous thing, forgetfulness, isn't it? Is forgetfulness dangerous? But he who looks in the perfect law of liberty continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer. So it's not enough to hear it, you've got to do it. This one will be blessed in what he does. It's pretty, pretty straightforward, isn't it? And then Jesus said in Matthew 7, 24, Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. I liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Rain descended, floods came, winds blew, beat on that house. It did not fall because it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain descended, floods came, winds blew, beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. So is it enough just to read the Word? No, you've got to continue in it, and you have to what? Do it. Is it enough just to hear it? No, you have to hear it and then do it. And if you hear it and do it, then you'll be blessed. Then when, and because the rain is going to come, the storms of life will come. The crises of life come to us all. There's nobody exempt from the crisis of life. Did you understand that? But when they do come and they beat on your house and slam against your house, if you've built your house on the Word of God, guess what? The storms will come, the storms will go, but you'll still be standing there after the storms have gone by because of the Word of God. Now, I want to caution you about what's known, and I just felt I needed to say this as I close this message, about what's a quote, notice I said, quote-unquote, Bible-based church. The reason I put this in here, I feel I put this in at the direction of the Holy Spirit. In the day in which we live, you need to be aware that when a ministry, a church, or whatever it is, whether television, radio, internet, whatever, says that they're Bible-based, you need to be very cautious 
of what that means. You know how I said earlier, you need to know what your church believes? This is akin to that. This is a Bible-based church. Can't you tell? Can't you tell? I mean, you ought to be able to tell. If you've attended here more than about about one Sunday, I mean, it's the Word, the Word, the Word, the Word. That's what we're about. Worshiping God, the Word, loving one another. Helping people. But just because somebody says Bible-based, the reason I'm cautioning you, is, cautioning you is because sometimes when people say Bible-based, what happens is, is if you listen to like a 30-minute message, there's 29 and a half minutes jokes, stories. I'm not against a good, clean joke. I'm not against a good story. Even some of these things are very exhortative and, and nothing wrong with that in and of, its, of itself. But if you listen to a 30-minute message and there's maybe maybe one scripture and maybe they don't even have you look up the scripture. It's not even on the screen. It's, they don't even ask you. They just kind of refer to it in passing just so they can say they're Bible-based. But you don't. But there's 29 minutes or 29 and a half minutes of stories and entertaining things, and just maybe just just a, a, a just a, a, a mention of a scripture or something. They'll say that's Bible-based, but dear friends, that's not Bible-based. Now I could stand up here, and I could tell you jokes. I could tell you stories. I could tell you this. I could tell you that. I could bring my joke book. I could, you know. And we could get to laughing, and, 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 and you might even be a little more entertained and all of that. But let me tell you something about that. And the reason that I will not do that, I guess I can be kind of entertaining once in a while. But anyway, but the reason I do what I do and teach you the Word of God, and I'm not, when I say Bible based, I mean Bible based. That's what we. I'm talking, do you understand the caution I gave you though? Just because somebody says they're Bible based doesn't mean that, it may just mean they refer to scripture and in a 30 minute message you get one minute of Bible and 29 minutes of fluff. And how many of you know that fluff will make you laugh, it'll entertain you, it'll, you know. But there's something about the fluff. Listen to me. When the devil comes knocking on your door in the midnight hour and they tell you it's cancer, or they tell you it's this tragedy, or that's happened, or this. The fluff isn't going to get you through in that hour. I'm telling you it won't. But, what, but this right here, and what I try to give you, and there's a lot of good pastors in the land, that this right here is what will get you through in the midnight hour. So don't be lulled into, well, I need an entertain. He just didn't entertain me. No, did he teach you the Word of God? That's the question that you need to ask. Well, but did he entertain? He didn't make me laugh. No, but did he teach you the Word of God? Because in the midnight hour, the, laugh, the laughter and all that isn't going to get you through. It's the B-I-B-L-E. It's the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, what you have in your spirit. And let me tell you what, when you get under pressure, whatever's been put in you is going to come out. And if the doctor says cancer, you don't want a joke coming out. You want, by his stripes, I am healed, glory to God. Did you hear what I just said? So we arm you as best we can with the Word of God so that when... I didn't say if, I said when the devil shows up, you're able to take the word of God, resist him, and cause him to flee. Did you get that?
Okay, now let's close with this, and then we'll be done. 2 Timothy 1.4, Amplified Bible. The Apostle Paul is speaking to this pastor, this young pastor. And it's the Holy Ghost talking to the pastor here through the Apostle Paul, reading it in the Amplified. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by in light of his coming and his kingdom. Now, this is what the Holy Ghost is saying to this pastor, to the pastor. Verse 2, herald and tell jokes. Tell funny stories and entertain the people. Is that what it said? Herald and what? Preach the word. Keep your sense of urgency. Stand by. Be at hand and ready. Whether the opportunity seems to be favorable or unfavorable, whether it is convenient or inconvenient, whether it's welcome or unwelcome, you as a preacher of the word are to show people in what way their lives are. Wow. Boy, he's not going to get invited to a lot of the big mega churches in the United States, is he? <laughs> Convince them, rebuke, correct, warn and urge and encourage. That all needs to be in there. Let me just tell you something by the Holy Ghost. If a preacher is encouraging you 100% of the time, all the time, 100% of the time, they're encouraging you. I'm speaking by the Holy Ghost. A preacher that encourages you 100% of the time, 24-7, all they ever do is encourage you. They're not sent from the presence of God. Period. Because along with that encouraging, there should be some what? Rebuking, some correcting, some warning, and some urging. Now I'll say, I'll go on the other side of that coin. People, preachers that are just rebuking you and correcting you all the time, I don't believe they're sent from the presence of God either. To have a man of God, you've got to have all these things. Did you hear what I just said? And convince them, rebuke, so on. And convince them, rebuke, correct them, warning and urging, encouraging them, being unflagging and inexhaustible in practice and teaching. For the, well, I just wanted to see if anybody was paying any attention. <laughs> Gary, you get a gold star for the day. And you're not being patient with me. I was going to read, I would have got, I'm, I'm just teasing. Being unflagging. Does anybody know what unflagging means? Huh? Okay, thanks. And I didn't know if it meant take your flags down in a... Oh, come on, guys. Aren't you 11? Convince them. Rebuke. Let's see if I can get it right. Convince them, rebuking and correcting, warning and urging and encouraging them, being unflagging and inexhaustible in what? Patience and teaching. So thank you, Gary. You got me straight on that. So a preacher ought to be patient and, and a teacher, okay? For the time is coming when people will not tolerate, endure sound and wholesome instruction. I wonder if we might be living in some of that. But having ears itching for something pleasing and gratifying, they'll gather to themselves one teacher after another to a considerable number, chosen to satisfy their own liking and to foster the errors they hold. Wow. 
and will turn aside from hearing the truth. The word is truth, right? So they'll turn aside from hearing the word and wander off into myths and man-made fictions. Did you get anything out of this? Was this helpful to you today? This, this, something different. All right, stand with me if you would.